If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we are concluding our deep dive into this five-part series on reasons why change isn't happening in your parish. If you feel called to do a new thing, but you're not sure where to start, this episode is for you. Hello again, John. <laughs> well, Ty, it's nice to see you again for the second time tonight. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I Okay, I'm not, you, I apologize, Ty. Dear listeners, Ty's a little bit frustrated because we got about 10 minutes into our last episode before I realized my microphone wasn't catching the audio on my side of the conversation. I will say, though, maybe we'll do like some deep edit um, podcast, like behind the scenes. I mean, he was spitting some fire. It was a really good episode for you the last take so let's see if you can do it again <laughs> i feel like the devil was at work there he knew that was some good stuff <laughs> i you know what I, I i've probably told this story before but i was i got the honor of hosting sarah swafford at a catholic school that i worked at a while back and when she showed up i was like hey how's it going and she she was like hi hey let's plug this in let's she gave me like the thumb drive for her slideshow and she's like we got to plug this in let's do this first and then we can chat, except because the devil's going to attack technology first. And there's some reality to that. I believe it. So I'm a believer now, especially when I think about how good that last recording was that our listeners will never hear. Yeah. The Swaffinator is never wrong. She's never wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So like you said, we are we are ending, concluding our five-week series on why change might not be happening in your parish. And so just to recap, the last four weeks we've talked about a lack of prayer, right? a real lack of discernment, intentional discernment about what God is calling us to do in our parishes, how that sometimes that, that can get in the way. And honestly, is one of the key things that gets in the way of building the mission of building the kingdom in our parishes. The second week, we talked about lack of vision. If God is calling you to do something and you are seeking to go that way, you have to share what God is calling you to do. And you have to tell people, this is where I'm going and this is why. And if they know that, a lot of times they'll follow and that'll help you to implement change. The third week, we discussed crucial conversations. There are important conversations, big conversations and little conversations in the moment conversations, all of which help us to guide our parishioners in the direction that God is calling us, to help them to, to be oriented to that vision that God has cast for your parish. And so we need to be willing to have those sometimes difficult, but always important conversations that move the ball forward. Last week, week number four, we talked about intentionally, intentionally prioritizing and organizing the way we work so that we can free up time to do these new things. Because when you're just stuck in maintenance mode, you're just trying to get through the next mass, you're just trying to get through to the end of Lent, when you're just trying to get through and you're working day after day after day and you don't have time for a new thing, the first thing you need to do is look at your office space, your office time, and create the space and time that you need for those new initiatives. And that's our launch pad for this week, diving into leadership as being one of the reasons that change doesn't happen in our parishes because no one has stepped up to lead in these specific areas. And so just to share a quick story about how this manifested itself in a parish that I was a part of, we won at this parish that I belong to, uh, we had a Catholic church and a Catholic school, and it's a tale as old as time. 
those two staffs, even though they worked 100 feet away from each other, weren't on any of the same systems and didn't communicate. (laughs) So even though, like our Catholic school families and our parish families, they all got along just fine, our two staffs, they just weren't synced up. And so you'd have a bunch of headaches and frustrations that came out of specifically calendaring because our, our liturgical director would walk into the church nave to practice music with a cantor just to find out that a kindergarten class was in there practicing for mass, right? And then you have those awkward conversations of, well, this person's here over their lunch and they can only be here now. And the kindergarten would be like, well, this is the only time we could really fit in for us to do this, yada, yada, yada. And it just creates tension. It creates headaches. It creates frustration. And then it becomes something to talk about it, the staff meeting down the line. And it just perpetuates and it never gets fixed. And so it was something that I realized caused enough headaches that I felt called really to settle the issue because to me, it was a really simple technology solution put together a Google calendar that we can all share. And so even though it wasn't a part of my job, it wasn't my purview, I saw a problem. I knew that I could provide the solution. And so I just stepped into that position of having those conversations, those crucial conversations with the parish staff, with the school staff, and with the diocesan staff that had the admin controls over our calendar system. And from there, then we implemented the system. We had to trial, shoot, do a few different things, do some trainings, get people on the same board. But it did solve a problem. It released those frustrations. And it it even went the step further of opening the door to communication between these two teams that initially weren't communicating at all. And so it really just was an area that when, when someone stepped up to lead, it helped. Right. And so if you're if you're ready to work past some of your parish dysfunctions, if you if you really want to bear more fruit for the kingdom without getting burnt out, then you're going to need this episode. And this number five reason why nothing changes is that no one is stepping up to lead. And you may think I'm not the pastor. I might be not even a full time staff person. But I want you to know that that if you listen to this episode, you will have some of the tools you need that can help you to transform your parish through the work that you do even if you're not the one in charge. Let's dive into the content for today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit just quickly about what leadership is, okay? And if you Google it, you're going to find a hundred different things, a hundred different ideas from a hundred different people about what leadership is. Um, For our purposes and for the sake of actually leading people, when you boil leadership down, it's all about influence, okay? So it If you Google it and it gives you a list of positions and title names, leadership isn't about a position, right? It's not even necessarily about authority because somebody might be given authority over you might not desire to follow them, right? Authority just says, if I say you go, then you have to go if I have authority over you. But instead, leadership is more about heading a specific direction and then looking back to see who is following you. It's about influence. And so... If your team is on board with with doing the new thing that you feel called to, right, that's great. But if they're not, and I I have a feeling there's there's a significant number of us that the team's not all on board, then building influence is probably that first step. And and you're going to see that this is really then where that the Catholic ministry professionals framework all ties in together. All of these pieces, all of these pieces, they either scale up to the team, but they can also scale down to the individual. And I, I do want to just call one other thing related to influence that is worth repeating. It's worth saying. We, we say it all the time. But if you want to influence change, if you want to lead your parish in a specific way, being a saint is still the number one way to influence your parish. 
But just because you're holy doesn't mean that you don't need to hone some of your other skills to affect change. Okay, so you are not exempt from learning new things just because you're the holiest person in your parish, just because you're the saint that walks among us. Okay, so it's good. Thank you for doing that. Make that a priority. Your own personal holiness needs to come first, especially in the reality of your relationship with God and how you discern that vision is going to come through and be true. The holier, the more you cling to Jesus and, and seek virtue and build that into your life but you still need to learn some of the skills related to being successful in your position. Amen? Amen. All right. So three things that we're going to share with you today that can help you to build that influence to help lead your parish. And and the first one of those things, well, let, those three things are to start the conversation, first of all. You got to start the conversation. That's what leaders do. The second one is understanding decision-making rights. And the third one is having a bias towards action. That's what we're going to focus on today. So, um, starting the conversation, this first piece, if you want to build influence, number one is, is owning that intellectual space. It's choosing to bring up that, that difficult conversation, that harder conversation. And one of the reasons that sometimes we don't just dive into the difficult conversations, those crucial and important conversations is because they're usually not the easy thing. Low hanging fruit is easy and it, and it feels good. Right? You might also say, well, Father always says no, or, or he just straight up doesn't like it when other people start to lead or voice their opinions, so then we don't bring up these new things. Um, or uh, we're new, and we just don't feel like we're in a position yet where we can have a say in how the parish does things. And whatever these reasons might be that we don't start that conversation and cast that vision for that new thing is, is because of those realities and those things that might make us fearful. So I just want to put our worries to rest. You're probably not going to get fired just because you're sharing a desire. You're you're probably not going to get fired um, just because you have a new idea about a new way to do things. You know, and if you've been following the past few weeks, um, we've given you some great information to build this conversation that you have on, starting with discernment. Right, pointing to God as the source of desire and Jesus as the fulfillment of it, being able to clearly articulate where you're going and why, so you're not just word vomiting in a in a meeting, but intentionally starting a conversation and by preparing yourself for the potential crucial conversations that might come out of it. So you're not just showing up and spouting things off the top of your head, but you're starting a real conversation based out of discernment. So today, as you step into leadership, as you consider what conversations you need to to start if you've listened to those last few episodes then you have some real um, real tools and in your belt that you can pull out and use to do this so starting that conversation you know whatever it might be for you you know can we talk about the way that we do meetings you know can we can we discuss whether or not we actually need to have this fundraiser can we chat about how we bring people into the parish how we onboard new parishioners Maybe it's something as big as revamping sacramental prep, right? These are good and holy questions, but someone needs to be bold enough to and intentional enough to bring them up, address them, and really try to see them see them through. And so for some of those, those tips and tricks that we've shared before, I want you to revisit our episodes on discernment, casting vision, and we'll put those links in the show notes as well for you. So that's, that's the first one is really as the leader, you need to start the conversation. And I don't mean just talking at the water cooler, but bringing it up in a meeting, 
talking to the people who are going to be a part of that decision and having those conversations in a way that can leverage the vision, the mission of Jesus forward. Were you thinking something? Did I just take all the wind out of your sails when I yeah. when we had to restart? <laughs> the second thing then, after you've started that that conversation, the second thing is really if you want to build influence, one of the first things you need to understand is where your decision making rights are. And we've talked about this at in previous episodes as well, and maybe we'll link some of those shows through, but it's entirely possible that you you are being micromanaged by your pastor or a, a senior team member. Maybe there's a bottleneck of your workflows because you need signatures for whatever or decisions made. It's possible, but a lot of people never step up to lead simply because their pastor just never explicitly gave them decision-making rights. He never said, you can make your own decisions. So I want you to hear this right now. If they hired you, if you were hired at the parish, there is a certain level of leadership that you can assume. You were given leadership when you started that job. And I don't think I don't think you need to ask permission to do every little thing that's a part of your job. But if you've never had that conversation and sought that permission to move forward on things, then you may feel stuck if you if you're just not naturally have that um, that chutzpah to move things forward and try some new things. But at some point, if you're being micromanaged, if you truly are, you just need to step up and and let the pastor know that you're ready for more. Right? Let them know that you are ready to make your own choices, that you're ready to lead in the context of your job, and especially if you're constantly getting that bottleneck uh, of decisions or waiting for signatures, you're waiting for the pastor to make them then you may need to find a way to expedite those few things by setting up a different process, asking for or just assuming more responsibility into your role. Uh, but this is our little tip. This is our little trick. If you, if this is you, if you're being micromanaged, you're, the little tip to expand your decision-making rights is to ask this one question. Every time you run into this bottleneck, get on the other side of it, get the things settled, the things signed, and then say, hey, Father, in the future, do you need me to run all of these details of this decision past you? And typically, your pastor really doesn't want to have to make those decisions for you. He, he doesn't want to know the ins and outs. He just wants to know what you're doing. And so he will give you permission a lot of times in the future to say, like, yes, this, this is something that's on you. You just keep me in the loop. Of course, there may be things that come up that he's like, no, I really want this to be run by me before it happens. And then you just adjust and you go forward. Again, we've shared a lot of this in previous episodes on Crucial Conversations, and we will link some of those through in the episode notes. But yes, you have to start the conversation, and if you're going to do that, then it also helps to understand your decision-making rights, because there may be things that you can just start doing that you don't need to run by everybody. And the number three, the number three thing that you can do to develop and build some influence in the parish is to just have a bias towards action. Right, have that bias towards action. Um, just doing good work for the kingdom because the kingdom deserves your best effort. And sometimes that means finding things that aren't your specific responsibility, but to follow through on them. And the reason that the, the scripture that really pops into my brain and stands out for me when I think of having a bias towards action, bearing good fruit, just doing good work and good things in the context of your job because it's good to do for the kingdom is this quote from 
uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It says, As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bring forth fruit, bring forth fruit with patience. So be that good soil, right? And bear that good fruit in a good heart with patience. So God gives you this message. God gives you this vision. You start to share it. And as you share it, it might not happen right away, but you continue to work at it. Have this bias towards action. Don't just give up because somebody says no right away. Don't just give up because they look at you like you've got three eyes. You know, don't just give up. Bear fruit with patience. Okay, be like that good soil that has been cultivated by prayer, by presence of the Lord in your life. And and Ty, you actually just told me today about um, a, a specific saint that kind of stands out as someone who maybe didn't make big moves, but bore good fruit in his life and through his work. Uh, you you want to tell him a little bit about Saint Euphrosinus? <laughs> yeah, Euphrosinus. <laughs> yep. Yep. Euphrosinus. I mean, there's it, it, he was the cook of the monastery and you know all of his brethren looked down on him actually scolded him because he was always uh he was unable to make it to a lot of the services um you know and i'll, I'll let you kind of go through your notes but when you say bear good fruit have you heard the story of saint euphrosinus just in the brief that you sent me so it i would urge you to go read more into this saint because one of the cool stories is that um, another brother priest actually prayed on it. Like, I don't know if he went into ecstasy or, or whatever, but he had this vision of uh, this wonderful place. And essentially, St. Euphrosinus was there. And he's like, well, what are you doing here? You know, like, just, he's just, just completely taken back. Like, why would this cook who doesn't attend services, you know, he's, he's just a cook. Why is he here? And essentially... Um, this lowly cook says, you know, I, I've been given this gift to take care of this, this garden. And, you know, the priest is like, well, can I, can I have something from here? Like, can, and he's like, yeah, take, take whatever you want. And he grabbed a, an apple and then he heard the bells of like the midnight prayers that they had to go to. So he woke up from his dream and he's like, oh, I think it was just a dream. Well, he reached in his pocket. And sure enough, there were the apples in there. And he confronted the saint. Um, not, confronted is not the right word. He, he questioned the saint. It's like, hey, you know, what was that real or what was going on? And, and at first, Saint Euphrosinus was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I, you know, I just came here for prayer. But it's like, you gave me something or you allowed me to take something from the garden. He's like, yeah, the, the most fragrant apples or whatever. So they ended up splitting the fruit, this apple, with all the other brothers at prayer. <laughs> And even people that came in to pray um, that eight of the apple were cured of their ailments. Mm. So it goes straight to your point of, you know, bringing fruit with patience. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And just, just this reality that he, he's a saint because he, he stuck to the, the task that was given him and he bore fruit with it. Absolutely. And it, it wasn't, it was a humble task, right? Mm -hmm. Cooking for people. And it, he didn't get to do, the services, the things that you expect somebody in ministry to do. That that wasn't what he was called to. He was called to serve and to feed. But he did it without grumbling. He, he did, it was a service to Christ in full trust to the best of his ability. And, and it's just the holiness that comes out of our day-to-day -day tasks 
when we are faithful to the thing that God calls us to do. And so just that idea of, again, I love that the parable of, of the good fruit that comes from good trees. You know, a tree is good because it bears good fruit. Be a good tree. Be good soil, right? And just be that holy, holy person following the Lord to whatever he calls you to in your work. Amen, yeah. amen. Amen. And, and here's what I will say to that. That parable also is a warning, right? Because if you don't bear good fruit, what happens? You're going to get cut down and thrown into the fire. You get pruned. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get pruned. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, along this lines, I really think that just kind of a, a sub point to having a bias towards action is to identify and solve problems. Really, if you see something that's an issue, but you do nothing about it, it just continues to create headaches for people. Sometimes it even continues to become a bigger and bigger problem, right? The best way to deal with a problem is always before it happens. The second best time to deal with a problem is right now, right now when you see it, start working on it, right? We, we had water in our basement and it would have been great if the drain tile had been installed properly so we didn't have that issue. That would have been the best thing. The second best thing was to deal with it as soon as we found it. The worst thing we could have done was wait three, four, five weeks, let the mold build up, and then deal with it, right? Deal with problems when you see them and, and begin to attack them when you see them. Try to correct them and fix them. This is, and this is whether you need to have a conversation with someone to correct bad habits that you see in ministry. It's whether you see communications issues between staff members or whatever it might be, right? Maybe it's with your workflows, your work processes, fix them, do do good work and, and become a better leader. You'll find that you do become a better leader just as, as you do that. So uh, whatever those issues might be, if you see a problem, fix it. Because if you are a good tree, you will bear good fruit and you show that you are a good tree when you do good work that bears that good fruit. Amen? Amen. All right, so those three tips. I do have one bonus tip. Uh, it's, it's just simply to read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People because it's just jam-packed with, with little things that you can do that help you to win influence, that help you to win friends. And and I before we even have, like, we're not going to take this and the devil's advocate, but yes, trying to gain influence sounds really slimy when you think about it in the context of ministry, but we're not talking about building a platform so people can hear you and see you more and laud what a great leader you are. No, it's not about manipulating people into your way of thinking. It, it's about building better relationships so that when you say, hey, the Lord is calling us to go this direction, people actually desire to go that direction with you. It's about building better relationships. And, and Dale Carnegie, I think, does a really good job in that book um, leading you to the point where, like, yes, these are some some tips and tricks that can help you to build a rapport, but ultimately it's about being genuine and authentically meeting the person who's in front of you. And fun fact, that entire book is on audio, free to listen to on YouTube. Oh, I'm going to do it. That's I recommend it. Next week. I recommend it. All right. With that, I think we can move into the devil's advocate. You know, John, what if people just aren't on board when I try to lead? Like, they they make fun of me or... You know, they, they talk badly behind my back. You know, I'm the cook that we referenced earlier in the show. Um, I'm not as patient as that saint. I am not a saint yet. What say you? 
<laughs> well, you know what? I want to put your mind at ease. I don't want you to worry about that even a little bit. Um, because I would just expect 100% that that's going to happen. <laughs> so you're not surprised by it. Uh, it really is. Like if you are going to try and change things, if you're going to try and convince people or lead them in a direction that is new, it is going to throw some people out of their comfort zone and they, they're not going to like that. They're not going to love it. All right. So I would just expect it and, and have peace with that. Right. Just, just accept it and know that, that that is going to happen. Um, so that when you enter into those moments, you're not doing it out of a place of fear or being taken aback and becoming defensive, but but that you can really lead them with authenticity, with love, and with a genuine desire for God's will to be manifested in your work, right? Because if, if this whole thing is from the Lord, then you really need to trust that he is going to help you with it. This is his work anyway. I mean, it's not yours. You know, you're called, you're just called to be obedient, and, and let the success or failure be the Lord's, right? But he's going to bear fruit if you're, even if it's not obvious, he's going to bear fruit through your work if you're being obedient to what he's called you to do. And, and always to remember the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are you when people persecute you on behalf of his name. You're just storing up treasure for heaven. So, so just allow it to happen and move forward with confidence, move forward with love, and, and move forward in, in just trust and obedience to the Lord. Yeah, I think a very important part you said there, this is his work, not yours. Once you make it and champion it as your work, pride enters the scene, and the enemy loves pride. He will use it to no end. Um, he will whisper and, and get you to start thinking negatively, um, and it'll burn you out literally burn you out. Amen. Amen. There's a great prayer and I'm not going to remember the saint. Um, it was just, I heard it on, uh, the, uh, outcast Catholic podcast. Oh, shout out father karate. Shout out father, father demon, father demon. Uh, we love your podcast. We love everything you guys do. They talked about a saint and he has this novena and it, it's, the prayer is essentially, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Right? To have that level of trust. And, uh, and, and just to trust, yes, God. God has this. It is his work. And surrender it to him knowing that it's his. And just have peace. Amen, it's, amen. It's the Surrender Novena by there Father Delindo Ruotolo. Absolutely. We'll, we'll put that and we'll list that down in our... Uh, show notes as well, the Surrender Novena. Okay, so we never want to leave you without any actionable steps, something that you can do today to begin and to continue the work that God has called you to do. Um, So today's actionable step is really simple, but it might be a little scary, okay? I want you to pick that one thing that you know needs to be dealt with on your staff or in your parish, and I want you to bring it up at your next team meeting. So I don't know when your team meeting is, maybe if it's in 10 minutes, you want to spend a little more time thinking about how to bring it up and you can wait the next week. But think, think, think that about that one thing and bring it up at your next team meeting. Um, and as a practice, if you want, I really want to encourage you and invite you, um, email your opening line to us. If you're considering approaching your team with something that needs to change, email your open line 
opening line to us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And we'll give you some feedback. We'll give you some confidence boosters, you know, encourage you really to step into this role and, and to lead. Because again, starting the conversation is really the, the first step to being a leader. And so if it's important enough to affect the mission of the church, then you need to keep bringing it up and you need to commit to making it better. And again, I know it's scary to put yourself out there and you're, you're probably going to have you know, a little imposter syndrome, you know, just this, this feeling of who am I to do this? But trust me, people, people want to follow a good leader. Our church is ready for it. The spirit is just priming people for good leaders in our church. They'll be like, finally, you know, they're hungry. They're, they're hungry for holy, effective leaders to step up and to build the kingdom to bear real fruit with patience. And so there, there's a certain element of just, you kind of got to, Break the seal and be that leader. And the more times you do with this, the more times you step into this role in big ways and little ways, the easier it will be for you to become the person that that just naturally steps into those places where God is calling someone to lead. And sometimes what happens, most times what happens, Simon Sinek has this story where uh, he calls himself the idiot in the room, where he'll say something where it's just like, well, of course, like, He'll, he'll just say, like, oh, I don't get it. Can you explain it a little bit better? And then the person will be like, well, how come everybody here gets it? And then somebody else will say, actually, now that he mentions it, I actually don't get it either. But the entire time this this topic was being presented, everybody was just kind of nodding their heads along and, yep, uh-huh, yep, I agree, I agree. But really, in the back of their mind, they knew they didn't understand what was happening. They just didn't want to be the idiot in the room. So Simon Sinek says, I'm okay with being the idiot in the room so long as I, at the end of it, I understand, you know, as long as you clarify it for me. So uh, I'm not calling anybody an idiot, but be the idiot in the room. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you want to transform your parish through your work, but you're not sure where to start, I want you to download the free parish health assessment at catholicministryprofessionals.com slash free assessment. It's 36 questions and it only takes about five minutes to fill out. And and after that, you're going to have a color coded picture of your parish's health that you can then use to fuel better conversations, prioritize better work and become a better leader. So uh, also, if you'd like to send us some feedback or request a free consultation, you can email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.